Hey, Tourpreneurs, it's Mitch Bach. And just a quick note before we begin today's episode, Tourpreneur is currently sponsored by Google. We're thankful for their support of our community, and we are offering with them a completely free course helping you unlock the power and potential of Google's Things to Do program, which is specifically helping tour operators add their tours to Google in new ways that gives you new exposure and more direct bookings. To learn more, go to tourpreneur.com slash Google. And as always, show notes, more resources, links to our newsletter, our business coaching community, and so much more are available on tourpreneur.com. Now to the episode. Hello, everybody. We are broadcasting live, and it is time for another weekly Tourpreneur Roundup. Our Roundup is a Tourpreneur podcast where we bring in the Tourpreneur regulars, special guests. We examine the news of the day, what's going on in the Tourpreneur community, and what's going on in the experiences industry. Hey, it's Mitch Bach from Tourpreneur here with a quick note before our episode begins. This week's Tourpreneur podcast is sponsored by TripAdmit. TripAdmit has come up with a fantastic new product called Tap to Tip. I remember being a tour guide 20 years ago and just waiting for that awkward moment at the end where your guests fumble into their pockets and whip out cash or they don't. And that sort of all changed during the pandemic. We stopped using cash and now everyone's dealing with PayPal accounts and Venmos and QR codes. John McGuire, you're the CEO of TripAdmit. You came up with something new. What did you figure out? Hey, Mitch. We've developed a digital tipping solution for the guides so that the guides, we provide them with a NFC card, which they can tap off the back of their guests' phones. That will open essentially a web app, and then the guests can tip the guides digitally either by Apple Pay or by credit card or whatever payment method of their choice. Because as, as you mentioned, it's the, the world is going cashless and uh, certainly is, is timely for the guides to, to look at digital tipping as a, as a source of income. So no app downloads, no scanning, no typing things into your phone. You just hold this, this card up to your guest's phone and voila, they've got some convenient options to tip. Does the web app do anything else? Reviews and ratings. But what we've done is we've taken the reviews and ratings one step further and integrated ChatGPT. So the ChatGPT, is a, it allows the guest to input into the review, but also ChatGPT will help write the review for the guest and they can post it onto TripAdvisor or onto Google or, or onto, the, uh, onto the website of the activity program. This sounds like seamless handholding to get guests to tip and review. That sounds like money in your guide's pockets and a great service you're providing. If our operators want to learn more, where should they go? Well, if they want to know more, go on to tripadmit.com forward slash tap to tip and uh, all the information is there. Today, I am joined by Chris Torres and Nikki. Chris, Nikki, hello. 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 How are we? It is bright and early on a Tuesday morning here, and I wanted to round up, not the week, but just what's been going on lately in Tourpreneur land. And I wanted to start with a quick convo about our first sponsor. So we've been working behind the scenes to create partnerships that bring value to the Tourpreneur community. That means tech companies, tour operators, uh, partners of all stripes and sorts that are interested in 
being better known in to our audience. And uh, our first sponsor is one who's a friend of ours, John McGuire, and running a great company called TripAdmit. And they invented a new product that's not an invention, but it's a streamlining uh uh, removing of friction in one of the most frictionful parts of our uh, industry. It's tour guides getting tips and tour operators getting reviews at the end of the tour. Nikki, you were once a guide. You remember the tip dance. How did that feel? Ugh. Yeah, there's there's so much stress and and so much anticipating and you just you tour guide your little heart out. And at the end, it's kind of a toss up. Are they going to tip? Are they not? Sometimes they just need an encouragement, but you feel like a little blunt doing it. Is it rude? Should I ask for a tip? How can I do it subtly? There's, it's stressful. It's really stressful. I remember even 15 years ago, you had the eternal, the eternal excuse of, I'm so sorry. I don't have any cash on me. I'll get you next time. Uh, I just got a haircut the other day and it was funny. I didn't have cash to tip my uh, stylist. And so they said, no problem. And they brought me over to a wall where every single stylist's name was written and right under it were all of their usernames for Venmo and PayPal and everything else. Nice. I mean, that's an improvement. However, I'm picking up my phone and I'm typing in this username. I'm hoping it's the right Eileen. I don't quite know if it is and I'm sending money out there. Um, so even there's there's even friction there. What I'm interested in with what TripAdmit has done is they've tried to remove any doubts in uh, who you're tipping and also getting guides their tips faster. So they have like a little credit card. They have an NFC chip embedded in it. So you just bring that card near somebody's phone. There's no typing in usernames. There's no asking, do you have Venmo? Do you have PayPal? Do whatever. You can load up with any of those payment options. Also, Apple Pay, which makes me feel really happy because that's just, again, another tap. And within one or two taps, you've tipped your tour guide. What are your thoughts on sort of that kind of process at the end of at the end of the tour, Nikki? Oh, I think that's great. It's smooth. It's less awkward because people could do it quickly. It's over. You don't have to. Did you ever do the like showing the dollar bill? When someone would tip you, be no. like, oh, thank oh, you. I've done thank it all. Thank you for the dollar. Yeah. Like it just, it eliminates all of that, right? There's no song and dance. You just get the tip. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, what's really, and, and it's got a QR code on there if you don't yeah. have MSC enabled phone or whatever. That's great. But what's interesting, and, and, it, and it opens up a web app. So all you need is an internet connection, right? Like it's not opening up. You don't have to download an app or anything like that. Uh, it's labeled for your business. Pretty cool. What's interesting is what happens next, Chris, which is then, of course, it prompts to leave a review. However, not just a review, but it's got ChatGPT enabled in the platform itself. And it's asking you just to tap kind of the feelings that you have about the tour. And then it suggests a version of review to help you kind of get your words straight. So you're not seeing that dreaded kind of blank text box and coming up with the the right sentences thoughts on thoughts on that yeah i think i think that's incredible you know we're, we were lucky enough to have a little demo of it at the last event we were all at and you know that whole thing of just tipping in the tip goes straight to the guide and then going straight into the review you know someone can actually leave if they want to write a full review they can do that but if not two or three clicks chat gpt will write the review for you and get that up and it'll do it differently every time so it's not always going to be the same review going up all the time so I thought it was fantastic. But the thing I really have to commend TripAdmit on is the fact that the app is independent. You don't need to be a TripAdmit customer to 
benefit from the app. Anyone can use this. So I thought, I just thought overall, it's just a great app. Just makes life so much easier for everyone. And it's it's one of those solutions. As soon as you see it, you go, why wasn't this done before? Yeah, it's funny. I have a feeling that um, they might very quickly becoming a financial tech company rather than a res reservation tech company because this applies to any tour operator anywhere. He's just talking to, he's working with tour companies that have 2,000 guides, guide teams for 2,000 people um, and two people. So it's really interesting. If you want to learn more, go to tripadmit.com slash tap to tip, tripadmit.com slash tap to tip. Uh, again, we thank them for sponsoring us and um, we are only taking on sponsors that we believe in. So we're not, you know, uh, we're not trying to hawk anything into tourpreneur that we don't think it's bringing value to the tourpreneur world. Speaking of value, we have a new free podcast out there completely separate from the regular tourpreneur feed called Tourpreneur Multiday. It's about multiday tours. Nikki, you've listened to a bunch of the episodes starring our fabulous host, Matthew Newton, who's a old CMO from, or whatever they called it back then, from Peak Pro. He's built websites and started Tourism Tiger, and now he's building a multi-day tour empire and hosting this show. Um, thoughts on the first the first episode with 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 Ruth Franklin? It's great. They um, Matt's just a great host, and they've been really fun to listen to. In the first one, he specifically did a lot of definition asking, so Ruth would kind of drop you know a lingo. Um, Ruth is obviously has been in this industry for quite a while and, and Matt would define it. So it really is going to go in order. If you listen to the first one, if you're brand new to multi-day, you're going to get all that lingo. It's going to serve as a foundation for moving forward, but it's, it's practical. It's practical. It's actionable. And it's really great to hear the different perspectives. I think Ruth Franklin is a first fantastic guest. She's so deeply embedded in sustainability and creating uh, virtuous ecosystems in the Maldives where she works between hotels, her tours and activities. Uh, and um, it's a real it's a real empire that she's created, but one with heart, um, one that's responsible. And I think it just tells a really great story about where our industry should be headed. Oh, yeah. And she if you're interested in B2B, I mean, she has a great story where she had 10 dream clients and she basically landed them all. And she goes into step by step how she did it. If you want to learn about B2B partnerships, come to Seville, come to Tourpreneur Connect. It is our multi-day conference that we're hosting in Seville, Spain, the best in the world uh, in terms of just like an action-packed historical center. We're going to be in a palace. We're going to eat. We're going to drink and we're going to talk B2B partnerships and everything else. So um, Seville is filling up fast, uh, but there's still space available. If you want to check that out, just go to tourpreneur.com. So moving along. Chris, the marketing world, so much is happening. Apple just had its uh, big WWDC, or it's just kicked off the big developer conference, uh, which is happening this week. And they launched the Vision Pro. I keep saying Reality Pro because that's what everybody thought it was going to be, but it's called the Vision Pro. It's a giant goggle that's on your head. So we got another ski goggle uh, in the industry and one with quite the price tag there the clip is circulating on the interwebs right now an audible gasp and laughter from the audience when they announced that it would cost 3499 US dollars so uh luckily we have time to digest that price cuz it won't be available for a while but um it was an interesting demo what was your what was your read 
Yeah, I have to. But as soon as I saw it and what it could do, I almost, I basically fell in love with it straight away. It's you no, know, for, for one who loves that sort of tech and sort of sci fi stuff, it was right down my street. But you no, know, just the, the aspects of being able to work anywhere, not have a screen in front of you and still be able to access all your windows and work and everything else, I thought that was incredible. Um, just all the, the stuff from the movie side of things as well, making it your own little private cinema, I thought was like, incredible as well. But just the productivity side of things, I think would be incredible. I can actually see how this could be implemented within tours and activities as well and stuff like that, no, especially in museums and all that sort of stuff. How you can, Because it seems to be the quality is a step above your normal sort of VR headset. This is like, and I can, but as soon as, yeah, as, soon as you saw the price tag, I was like, I'll maybe hold off for version two and hopefully the price will come down a little bit. But um, I, can, I can see many applications for it. And Apple being Apple, I would never bet against them. I think this is something else like the, iPhone, the watch, the iPad, everything else, it will take off. And uh, I think it has lots of good practical implications uh, going forward. Yeah, there's no way I'm going to bet against Apple because they don't respond to what the customer wants. They tell the customer what they want uh, and they make us fall in love with it by making it just really, really sexy. Uh, but, you know, this is the next iteration after kind of the Oculus, the Quest. Um, you've now got something where seen through it, is is very important uh so you're also in touch with reality uh and not just the screens but you're right the quality of it i can see so many applications especially in things like museums or anywhere where you want to have a rich overlay of visuals of information of you know of things i could imagine a world in which you have a group of six people that are wearing a version of this does that doesn't feel like you're an astronaut and i think they're getting there mm -hmm. um uh, and you're walking through a space where you still feel aware of the space and that a guide, for example, could synchronously make the world come alive as you're in the world and make, tell the story of art. I think an art museum mm -hmm. is such a great example because so often we're like, oh, you know, um, John Singer Sargent also painted these portraits or whatever. And it's like either you're kind of shown in an iPad, but if we can like walk through this sort of visually dense and rich mm -hmm. world and still be in the world, I think is kind of an interesting new take. I also... I was just going to say, the one aspect I really liked was um, it was projecting or basically taking a video of your eyes so you can actually see your eyes from the other side of it so people can actually still get that connection even with you wearing the headset. I just thought that was just a lovely touch. And again, for tour guides, that would be indispensable, I would have thought so. It's wild, Nikki. I just have such a specific image in my head. I'll look it up as soon as we get off this. <laughs> of digital renderings of eye contact. And you know what's even better is with AI, I can be making eye contact and still be the socially awkward me that doesn't like to make eye contact. Like that's even better. It's better hey. for those tour guides that actually don't want to make eye contact. <laughs> Perfect. Don't, you don't put your makeup on in the morning. You just have it rendered on. Just today. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, it it it's it's a departure from kind of Meta's perspective of sort of creating this immersive environment in which you are drawn into it and also a different environment than kind of the world whereas um and you know so therefore like lots of gaming applications and virtual worlds and things this i mean had a total productivity bent right look at how many tabs you can have open in the universe now and you're not wearing gloves so it, it, it it's, it's it's an interesting bent mm -hmm. um i think there are implications for our industry for sure at least how chris chris's office will look and the number of monitors you'll have there yeah um uh in the world of digital marketing, Chris, things have been moving kind of fast. You have Google uh, on the hunt with generative AI search. Uh, so 
much richer environment uh, uh, of search results where they're curating things, tours and activities and dresses and desks alongside information to help people make better um, better decisions. Uh, what's your read on kind of Google's march into revamping the search experience for this new AI world? Yeah, well, they've sort of already been doing it for a long time. They're just trying to make it more personalized to the users. No, no sort of rankings and things like that are always going to be important, but they're just going to evolve over time. And as as we've always said, you know, as long as you've got really good content on there, Google will look at that content and say, okay, is this going to be right for that particular customer? Similar to how Amazon always recommends things for you because of it knows your history when you're looking on for products on Amazon and things like that. Google is going that way. AI will just drive that even more so. So it's rankings are going to change hugely over the coming years. And it's just purely going to be personalized to the individual user rather than just what's going to be in the top 10 for, for, for everyone type thing. So. It's, but yeah. it has been coming for a long time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's really it's really going to make the old SEO playbook obsolete. Um, it's also clearly the big bet of of big companies right now. Uh, for example, the number that's in the news right now, probably more than any in our segment, is one hundred and ninety four million US dollars, uh, which is the latest round of fundraising for Get Your Guide. That brings their total funding to over a billion with a B dollars. And uh, this time, the explanation for why they needed the money had a lot to do with AI. Uh, it had a lot to do, I think, with, like you said, this dream of personalized, customized results that are delivered with accuracy and curation for you. Uh in um, um, instead of this kind of like daunting list that you scroll through and figure out of 500 undifferentiated uh, tour, skip the line tours of of the Louvre. Um, Nikki, do you have kind of thoughts on 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 this game or the customer experience of finding a tour these days? I like it. I mean, I think if the customer can get educated and, and we are slowly about asking for what we want and figuring out what we want, I think that's the missing piece. Then with that technology in place, it's it's going to be great to search for things. I've been playing around with the Matador app, the the WhatsApp chat, um, and it's great. I mean, I'm in the industry. I know specifically what I want to ask for and what I want to look for, and it's, it's super useful. So I think if the consumer is able to use that vocabulary, then all this technology is going to be fantastic for having pop up exactly what you're looking for. Yeah. Well, if it also has a profile of you, if it knows your preferences, if it understands who Nikki is before you even show up and it, you know, and it knows where you're going or that you're in destination, then I think this, I think the sky's the limit. And I think it does on some level solve the curation problem, which, which, which is really at the heart of the problem of these vast best uncurated marketplaces where it doesn't really create a fantastic customer experience that has to just hunt and peck through 892 versions of roughly the same experience or whatever. But it does create a lot of new challenges in terms of how you as the tour operator are going to be in that search result, especially if you are unique, off the beaten path, small, um, um, a, a rarer bird. You know, how are that? That's probably always my big question with any of these platforms is how do you make sure your results are interesting and not just honestly the highest grossing profit margin 
products that you want to hawk as as a marketplace, right? They make a lot more money off of selling you uh, an admission ticket to a ferry ride uh, than they do off of a walking tour. And the walking tours, you know what I mean? And so it's it, it, it feels to me a little bit like I want to make sure that you're giving us truly interesting results and not just um, this sort of like landscape, I call it, of like, now I go to this attraction. Now I go to this attraction. Now I go to the Eiffel Tower. Now I skip the line to this museum. When in fact, you and I live in New York City, there's such a rich diversity of on the ground experiences, whether they're walking or food or bike or whatever, that truly make an unforgettable trip, right? If they do it right, I think that variety should show up. If that's your interest. Mm -hmm. If you want to go and you want to skip the line, you want to ride the ferry, then that would inevitably show up as well, right? Yep. Yep. I've tested I've tested the Get Your Guide app um, chat GPT plugin, and I just keep typing in more unique, more unique, more unique every single time. Uh, and uh, yeah, listen, it's a work in progress. Uh, <laughs> it's not quite there. Um, uh, it is interesting. They quote the same number that Brian Chesky quotes about the size of our industry, $1.4 trillion. Do you notice that number? And I looked up that number and I was like, where's that number coming from? And it came from the, um, the public offering paperwork that, that Airbnb had to file where they had to like create a kind of total addressable market for the experiences industry. And, um, uh, which came from data from, you know, a a data analyst, a, a data analyst, but, $1.4 $1.4 trillion. That's like, that's a lot. That's very big. Um, my eternal question around that number, and maybe on ne- next week's roundup, we'll get Pete Syme to break it down, is that number hides a lot of different kinds of business models and a lot of different kinds of ways in which our industry works from multi-day safaris to walking day food tours to boat rentals to museums to zoos. Chris, do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I'll be interested to know if, the, if attractions are in that because that tends to get lumped in with experiences and stuff like that and attractions tend to be a lot more volume based and generate a lot more revenue so that would skew a lot of the figures and you tend to find that in a lot of reports to be honest so be interested to know if that's in there yeah yeah i'd always like much more granular like how big is the u.s food tour market you know and 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 because i think those are the kind of numbers that drive business decisions from the operator standpoint and not from just the kind of like ipo investor vc funding standpoint so I, I, I would love, yeah, I would love that kind of granular data and regional basis on niche bases um, that help kind of our operators understand the eternal question is, do I actually have customers here? Is this a market, right? Like, I think a lot of operators have ideas for businesses, but they don't necessarily have a business because there's not a customer. And um, um, uh, so, yeah, anyway, interesting. Chris, Google Analytics for three weeks away three weeks to go yeah so if you haven't changed over no we've told you as you mentioned in the last roundup i mentioned this in the very first podcast that we did newsletter that we did it wasn't actually um ages ago about only a year ago now so yeah you've got three weeks to swap over from google analytics to google analytics 4 or ga4 as it's called um so if you don't and i haven't done already you're going to lose all tracking within google so that needs to happen now if you haven't done it already don't leave it to last minute Speaking of tracking, uh, I believe Meta is also on the hunt with changes to its Facebook pixels. Yeah, so similar to what Google are doing, no, the Facebook pixels are always 
going to be there in a certain way, but the way it tracks is going to stop eventually. Um, so I've been getting lots of emails and calls from Facebook themselves, um, or not, obviously not uh, the, the, ma- the main man, but uh, yeah, but um, certainly from the from the team saying how this is going to be implemented. They haven't got a date yet, but this is going to be implemented in terms that you have to use the Facebook conversion API or CAPI, as it's called. You have to start using that because eventually they're going to stop tracking through the cookie methods um, because of the whole ISO 14 thing. I think it happened years, well, a few years ago now um, where it's making you harder to track results and stuff like that. So you have to use the conversion API. Um, downside to that is um, unless you have a developer to develop on your server to then track that information, you have to use a third party. You know, we tested using AWS, Amazon server, um, and it was getting quite expensive. And that was only two sites that we were running through that. But you can use other platforms like Zapier. So we're testing Zapier, and that seems to be working quite well. Um, Zapier is a lot more cost-effective. So you can connect your Facebook Pixel to Zapier and then have Zapier send information. So say you've got a website form on your website. That will then, using Zapier, connect that through the Facebook conversion API. So you can then track how many people have filled out a form, for example. Um, if your booking platform, and this is actually a little bit of a call to arms for all booking platforms, um, some booking platforms already connect to Zapier. So Peak Pro, Fair Harbor, ResD, and a few others do already connect. Most don't. Um, so if you're doing that, you can then track booking data and have your bookings, any bookings happening within your system, then get tracked in the, the Facebook conversion API, which will then open up a whole bunch of stuff for Facebook ads and tracking and re- retargeting and various other things as well. So if your booking platform isn't on Zapier, get onto them it needs to happen because once facebook stops tracking through the cookie method you won't be able to do facebook ads so it has to happen so it's a bit of a call to arms to all the booking platforms great info i want to end by talking about two of the small groups that have been running in our entrepreneur plus membership community so tp plus you get access to a whole bunch of new people uh nikki you just um, um hosted a session with content with a content creator with an influencer talking about um uh well what did you talk about what did what did jordan's workshop look like how did it was oh it's so good it was like what do they do like what do content creators offer what what should a pitch look like i mean it was really interesting to see the difference between someone who is professional and then some of the pitches entrepreneurs have been getting um and now they know what to look like like go look up the recording if if you're at all interested she talks about she shares her media kit what you should look for what would be in a pitch how to write a contract ahead of time how to make sure you're getting reporting on it afterwards it's just it's all about communication beforehand and and finding a good fit for audiences amazing chris we have a new mastermind group focused on private tours and higher end private tours how to create them cultivate them make the relationships to make them work uh, to sell them. Uh, that's with um, Peter Topeser, uh, who's based in Paris. And you were at the Mastermind last uh, uh, two weeks ago. Um, how was it? How did it How did it go? Yeah, it was great. No, the, actually, the turnout was incredible. No, we had lots of people on there asking, because um, it was the first one, it was more of an introduction, everyone finding out about their own individual businesses, what their needs were, who they were, etc. Uh, and a lot of the questions that came up were about marketing. So um, I believe the next one's tomorrow. Uh, so I'll be part of that one to help any, answer any marketing questions. Obviously, Peter running the show on that one. But yeah, it was great to see so many people involved, lots of questions getting asked, lots of people offering advice as well uh, uh, between each other. So it wasn't just all Peter and myself. So yeah, if you're into luxury travel or if you're into private groups, high-end, things like that, join that group. Because I think over the next 
coming weeks and months, there's uh, a lot of people are going to benefit from, from it. So, Yeah, I think there's going to be a lot of value in that mastermind group. You can yeah. find out more on entrepreneur.com slash plus. And finally, we have a special guest today. I'm going to bring him up to stage. He is not only a friend, but a customer. So in other words, my favorite kind of person in the world. Uh, he pays me to hang out with him. No, uh, he's a, I've, I've known Sean Grant for a long, long time, and he is a tour operator. I'll let him introduce himself in a second. But I will also say that he is just an operator and a guide with a huge heart, a huge heart to help people. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about in a minute. But Sean, can you just introduce who the heck you are first? Yeah, so my name is Sean Grant. Um, I live in Washington, D.C. I own a, a multi-day tour operator company, uh, Great Falls Travel. Um, we work with uh, adult and student groups to D.C. and, and the Northeast. Um, yeah, so I have a background in music and education. So uh, tour guiding and, and travel just just kind of fall right along seamlessly with that with that background. So. I remember you and I had a conversation a long time ago and you said, I just really want a small group of people that kind of hold me accountable that I can make progress with by making sure that I'm showing up consistently uh, and and moving the needle on my tour business. And so we set up an experiment in Tourpreneur um, to have a small group accountability group. And it's been six months, which feels like a good time to sort of take stock. And I mean, six months of meeting weekly with, a fantastic small group of operators, but you were kind of the spearheader and I would say the facilitator of it, the the spiritual godfather of the accountability group. So I wanted you to come on and just tell us what what you've learned or your takeaways from this group about tour operators holding each other accountable. Yeah, so Mitch and I were talking, um, I'll never forget, we were sitting in the Smithsonian Castle actually, uh, talking about this accountability group. And then uh, one day, Mitch is like, oh, today's the day. Um, so anyway, um, no, so I had um, worked in education with accountability, uh, working with students and um, just working with accountability in that in that area. So um, I did a bit of research and um, we started this group. Um, and the main goal was just to have a place where people could come on and state their challenge for the week. Um, not a problem solving um, session, just a session to step on quickly and say, this is what I'm, this is my challenge for the week. Um, we, we, we would go around the room um, and then uh, we could, the second round we talked about uh, what challenges we solved from last week. Um, and then our group kind of evolved a bit because we had some very interesting operators showing up. We think we started with around 20 people. Um, and we kind of narrowed down to, I think about seven regular participants each week from various aspects of, uh, the industry. I mean, we have a food tour person that shows up regularly that gets up early. She's in Portland, Oregon, Sherry, uh, she shows up regularly. Um, then we have multi-day tour operators from that service Italy. Uh, myself, a student, uh, tour operator, um, people brand new to the industry. So Battlefield Tour operator, John Canister, who's probably the top participant. So he gets that award. Um, but, you know, we, we just go around the room and talk. And then it became very evident that some of these folks wanted just to continue to talk. So um, it, 
as you know, travel and tour people like to talk a lot. So it was a bit of a challenge at first to keep the group very focused and say, we're, we're just going to talk about our challenges and what we accomplished last week. And then we'll open up the session and we can just hang out and, and talk as, as an industry after that. So, um, our meetings, typically people, you know, do the round robin within about 10 minutes. And then after that, we hang out for about 45 minutes. So, um, it's been a great place, I think, um, just to see the achievements of people in the industry who are new, um, who have been here a while that never really felt like they had a place to fit in. I mean, I think that's something Mitch and I've talked a lot about. This industry being a tour operator is a very solitary um, experience because nobody wants to talk shop with you. Um, however, this group, we talk about everything, you know, from marketing to, um, you know, different business um, platforms that we use and technology. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's been it's been great to see uh, people use the Heartbeat app to post their weekly challenges. Um, and I do see and data shows that if you put those down on paper and you put those in a public space that you are much more likely to achieve your goals. Um, we have a couple of people that regularly posted there um, and they regularly were accountable. I mean, you know, sometimes people would come back and they're like, we didn't make it. And that wasn't really the point of the group. It's just the point is just to say it. And, you know, I, I took notes every week and I said, how do we do on this? And they just reported and we just updated the notes and moved on. So, um, so yeah, it's been really good. It's been a, a learning experience for me um, uh, just to be a better listener um, in that kind of forum and to try to give feedback on what people are asking. Um, but one way I think it's really helped me is that sometimes our goals are so huge that they're overwhelming. And through this process, I've learned to sort of micro micro goal, break it down to the smallest um, smallest goal or smallest uh, actionable item sometimes just to get it moving. You know, the do something model that I adopted several years ago. Um, yeah, so it's been good. Um, I think we are going to take a pause on the group for maybe a month and just regroup and then uh, start start another one. Is that what we're doing, Mitch? I think so. I think six months is a long time. You know, I think those resets are probably important breathing spaces and maybe especially for you, given, you know, showing up weekly and you know, I don't know. That's my thought. It's, uh, it's been fun to have something. Um, it's kind of fun to me to have something that's, you know, like, a, like in the tour operator world being sort of very nebulous in a lot of ways when you work by yourself. It's like, oh, I don't really have to be anywhere. I just have to work. But uh, that day on Monday, you know, I know I'm going to see some friendly faces and we can, I could discuss my challenges. It's just not all about them. It's about me sometimes. So, um, but yeah, I was kind of shocked. I mean, the heartbeat app is what kind of smacked me in the face the other day when it said, when I was reading through the thread or something and it said six months ago, when I actually had to go back and, yeah. and count, I was like sick. We've been doing this because it doesn't seem like six months. So, um, yeah, anyway, it's been good. I think it's been good for, um, the participants, um, you know, obviously it's not right for everyone and that, that shows by the, who shows up each week. So Nikki, we're starting a new one in an Australian time zone as well, but, um, uh, so that's, that's on the docket already, but what, what's your kind of thoughts on this style of tour operators getting together to just 
make sure they're they're honest with themselves. I think Sean said it so well. It's almost just having community. And we are one giant community, but to have that micro community makes it even more impactful and being able to kind of say what you're working on and get to know each other's businesses over time. You know, if you're meeting again month into month, so you get to see each other grow, you get to see each other go through ebbs and flows. And I think it just makes what you're going through so much more common in a good way. It's obviously like having lots of little mini, mini business coaches all yeah. about you, trying to help you out. So It's almost better than a coach, though. It's a business therapist because they're... The job is for you to actually make work, make the work happen internally rather than just receive the answer from somebody else. And mm-hmm. that's harder. That's a harder process, but it does equate to more, I guess, personal growth as a business owner. Um, and I think sometimes you have to live with a question more than just get it answered by someone. And so I like the idea of just stating a problem and and letting that kind of guide you for the week rather than, you know, getting an immediate solution and trying it then be no it's like you know things need to germinate and take time and you don't quite understand the work that's going on especially when you're not actively thinking about it i've i've, I've learned that the hard way over many years well it has been um a great 20 minutes uh plus 14. thank you sean though <laughs> Ex- you. extra time is worth it um lot to cover every week but thanks to chris and nikki and thank you to sean for joining us for the tourpreneur roundup awesome. Thanks, Thank you. Have a good week. Are you interested in adding multi-day to your day tour business? Are you looking to understand growth and scale strategies in the multi-day world? Looking to finally crack the technology stack you need to organize, automate, and grow your business? Then join Tourpreneur in Seville, Spain for Tourpreneur Connect, sponsored by We Travel, November 27th to 30th, 2023, for an event unlike any other in our industry. Open to strictly 100 operators. Pete, Mitch, Chris, and other industry experts will guide you through the do's, don'ts, twists, and turns of running a multi-day tour business. Not only that, Tourpreneur are giving back as we will be bringing in local suppliers and businesses to help us run the event. We're also opening up the event to a number of locally-based tour operators who can attend for free. So join Tourpreneur in Seville for Connect, November 27th to 30th, 2023, and join us for an unforgettable experience of learning and connection in one of Europe's most unforgettable cities. Visit tourpreneur.com slash connect for more info.